Well, hello and welcome to episode 72 of the 1099 for the week of December 26, 2016, day after Christmas is when this actually comes out. Not recorded then. I'm actually about to get in a car for 12 hours, so by then I'll actually be in the snow. I am your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is the senior editor at Waypoint, which is Vice's new-ish gaming site, because Vice has been writing about games for much longer and Mike has been there. Mike Diver. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm really good, Josiah. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. No, yeah, no problem at all. Uh, we were talking before and how I've been really meaning to have someone who writes for Waypoint and who's a part of Waypoint actually on this podcast. And like I mentioned before, you've you've been at Vice for almost two years now, so you're not new to this. This has been something that you've been around. But before we get into kind of your role at Waypoint and your role before when you were just at you know, Vice Games, like you were doing album reviews for BBC and DrownInSound.com before. What made you go from covering music to covering video games? Did it feel like a natural transition? Was it kind of just certain opportunities called for it? Had you always wanted to write about games? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a, a case of, you know, rewind back to, you know, why do you start writing about music? It's, it's taking a hobby and seeing if you can turn it into a career or into a profession, you know, how to monetize the thing you love a little bit. So, so with music, it was very much, you know, I'd done a journalism degree, came off the back of that, moved into legal publishing, started freelancing for a bunch of music stuff, went full-time in music and 2006 uh until like you say like moving full-time into gaming at the start of 2015 but i've been freelancing in gaming before then as well uh not just for vice on the regular but also um places like kotaku uh the guardian a little bit and edge uh but yeah um the, the the switch was really just because i got back into gaming after a little time kind of not you know paying attention but only from the periphery kind of mm. during the ps2 the peak kind of ps2 gamecube years you know i was i just come out of university didn't really have money for a console uh was going through the motions of you know um, my my you know my relationship with my, my now wife getting more serious and just 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 having you know really really focusing on my music um press career i didn't really have time for games and it was around about the, the xbox 360 era just kicked in and gta 4 was out because i just remember seeing that and i had some money and i was like i'm, I'm just gonna take the plunge <laughs> um really really catapulted me back into games in quite a big way that i hadn't really felt since the kind of very start of the first playstation era fell in love with games like uh burnout paradise bioshock um stuff like i got the orange box and just thought portal was amazing and yeah, so just just gradually kind of ramped up my interest in games. Ended up going back and buying some of the consoles I'd missed, you know, GameCube, yeah. Dreamcast, PS2, and stuff. And what what slowly came out of that? I was at the BBC, and when you say, you know, I, I, I wrote a bunch of album reviews. I was the album reviews editor there um, for nearly four years, uh, working, you know, with a big, which 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 is really useful because you know nowadays at Waypoint we work with a bunch of freelancers. I always have advice and at Clash as well. Uh, at the BBC, I was working with something like 70 or 80 active at any one time freelancers. So it was pretty good for management mm. experience. Uh, but yeah, uh, I was there and I spoke to a guy called Sean Adams who founded Drowned in Sound. I said, look, I really like video games. Again, uh, I'm, quite f- I'm getting that itch to write. And so I'm trying to think what year it was, maybe 20, maybe 2009, 2010 or something. Mm. I still said, look, you know, Drowned in Sound doesn't have uh, games column or anything how about i just do you one you know a monthly games column I'm, I'm buying games i'm playing games i can write you know that you know i used to run your site so um and he was like yeah cool do it off the back of that whilst the bbc vice got in touch and said you know we do a games column in our magazine this is how i first started writing vice properly so that would have been about i want to say 2011 2012 um I, I was still very much in the throes of the bbc work back then yeah uh so i started doing stuff for vice uh, all on games of course this is not none of this is specialist games media that kind of came about after that where i you know met some people through the freelancing and you know you get talking you you pitch a few ideas in i ended up writing a <laughs> a massive article about shenmue for the guardian <laughs> uh did a bunch of stuff for uh you know like i said i was going back and discovering games that i should have played uh a few years before and i, I was playing through shenmue and was like i've got to i've got to document this somehow and i just emailed uh keith at the guardian keith stewart and he was like like he's a big sega fan so he was just like yeah i i i, I don't envy him at all i sent him I swear it was nearly, it must have been close to 3,000 words. Oh I said, I'm God. so sorry, Keith. 
Like, uh, you know, he, I think he'd asked for like 2000. <laughs> it's pretty, it felt like it. Well, you know, I mean, bear in mind that half the uh, word count of that is just asking about sailors, but um, they, uh, <laughs> yeah, they took that. And, you know, I, I was, I was doing a bunch of freelancing stuff and yeah, it got to the point where, where are we at? So we're at the end of 2014 at that point, I'm full-time at a magazine called Clash uh, as their online editor, uh, my second stint there. Um, great company, great, great people. And but but I felt you know after doing full well it wasn't quite full time music journalism for ten years but I had been freelancing and quite seriously like heavily freelancing for several years before I went full time in music so it kind of felt you know I'd, I'd had a good decade plus of music and I just it's not that I felt like any lack of love for it but I thought you know I've done I've been in several editor editorial roles I've done a whole load of freelancing in music unless I want to launch my own thing in music it doesn't feel like i've got anywhere to go here you know i'm kind of doing the same thing i'm having a great time but i'm doing the same thing and and i was you know i was regularly doing stuff regularly for vice at the time but by that point i was already games editor they'd said to me look here's a small monthly budget you know produce four pieces of gaming coverage a week or up to you know uh, so i was taking some of that budget for myself and i was also paying this is very, very early doors. So we had like Cara Ellison, Keza McDonald, Lee, Lee Alexander, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Lees, Andy Kelly writing stuff for me, which was amazing. You know, yeah, and I remember saying at the group. time, like, it was just like, yeah, that was, do you know what? You know, as soon as you say, hello, I'm doing stuff for Vice about video games, people kind of, you know, take an interest. So oh, it was yeah. great to have them early doors. But yeah, a rival, a rival company um, asked if I would be their games editor. Um, they will remain nameless, but they're very, very big. They're not in the specialist games media, but they are. I mean, I mean, apparently their energy drink gives you wings. Is uh, about the, uh, <laughs> the most least subtle clue no, I could no possibly give you. No idea who we're talking about. Um, and weirdly enough, that came through at the same time as I was headhunted for a job in music again um, from a very massive, very, very massive tech company who were just moving into kind of internet radio and stuff and. I was sort of torn between, I didn't know what to do. And I sat down with a guy called Alex Miller in the London vice office and said, look, I've been offered this role at this other company. I don't want to do it. Well, it's not, I don't want to do it, but like, you know, I've, I've been here with vice for a while. I, you know, I want to know what, what you think really, you know, there's no reason why I couldn't do both things. And this other opportunity was hanging around, but it, as, as big as that company is, uh, the one that I haven't even given you a suggestion of, I don't know where I stand legally, uh, where I'm allowed to say about that. Uh, but anyway, it would have it would have meant going to San Francisco, and maybe oh, you can geez. work it out from there. Yeah, no, that'd be uh, too. but uh, yeah, it would have been not permanently, but yeah, for several months of the year. Um, and he just sort of said, "Well, you know, what do you need to go full time here?" So in a space of a couple of days, maybe it went from a conversation about me kind of juggling work and you know keeping up this you know basically i was working a day a week on vice stuff to to coming in full time and and really pushing on with what we what vice gaming became and before it just transitioned into into waypoint um which was i mean we were always saying you know that well my goal when i went full time there was to to get a, a vertical up yep. and running at some point uh, it took a little bit longer than i than i wanted than i expected but i understand why these things have to happen and they were very keen to see how the gaming coverage went in you know as part of .com as part of vice and it didn't take long at all for you know people in the games media to start taking it quite seriously i had conversations early doors with you know big companies going into sony and sort of telling people that we weren't here to take the piss you know i know vice carries a bit of a reputation amongst some people uh but we were very very serious about video games you know we weren't pointing fingers this wasn't about tarnishing the people who love video games you know because we love video games and and that's very much carried over that attitude is very much carried over into what waypoint is you know it's not about um drawing lines you know putting up barriers between people you know if you whatever kind of video game you like that's cool you know you get enjoyment out of it that's amazing and if it's something you want to share with people even better it's just that kind of um i I think i think i hope that we're moving past any negative stigma that enjoying video games has and um, you say about you know glitzel starting as well i think that's very much in the same spirit this kind of like you know we all enjoy video games these days so yeah. Why not celebrate some of that. So that's no, that's 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 a, a spirit we've got, yeah. And like I I do think uh, kind of having your own vertical now, having that that name Waypoint, it it still carries that vice 
tone to it, which I do enjoy. And I, when I was freelancing was when I think you were probably just starting with like full-time advice. I don't remember, but it was one of those sites where right. I'm like, man, I really need to pitch to them eventually because you know, you <laughs> do have that name and you were doing a lot of interesting content. And what I do wonder is you mentioned kind of getting very involved in music earlier. So you missed this chunk of gaming. You missed this certain kind of segment where you weren't playing as much and you were catching up with Shenmue and Bioshock and stuff like that. Is that mm. something now that you would all struggle with when you're writing content for waypoints. Cause like a lot of people who write about games are this lifelong gamer who has almost encyclopedic knowledge about franchise and there's certain things they can just pull references out of their ass at any moment for you. <laughs> is there some more research you need to do to maybe if you're editing something, make sure something is correct because there's kind of this chunk of time where games weren't your focus. Music was more of your focus. I would say that when it comes to editing, regardless of uh if I think I know the series inside out, I'm going to check everything. Um, one thing I do uh, over here as well is I lecture. I'm an associate lecturer in journalism uh, down at, in, in a university. And, you know, I, I tell my students all the time, it doesn't matter what you think you know. You know, like, like you say about, you know, I, I'm, I read, I, I'm pretty well read on a lot of the games that I, uh, that I didn't play during the PS2 era. I mean, I bought a PS2 uh, very, very soon after a, a 360, actually. I mean, we're talking about 2007, 2008, so it wasn't like the PS2 era was over. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't really that long after kind of Shadow of the Colossus and stuff, which was one of the first games I bought for it. And I was just like, oh my God, you know, this doesn't bother me at all that this looks slightly outdated visually. You know, it's just, what it's a just game one of those games. I, well, it, that 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 was one of the ones I remember buying. I kind of I went into a shop with a credit card, and that's always dangerous. Yep. And I just sort of went, I want that, 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 and it was almost like priced it matter. These were just the PS2 games that I that I, in my head or you know through reading uh, various websites and subscribing to Edge magazine and stuff. I was just like, look, I need those games. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, there are gaps in as much as you know. Well, like like we all have, we can't play every game. Yeah. But as very as very keen game enthusiasts, we can still consume an awful lot of media around that game. You know, I, I'm sure you're the same. You know, you know a lot about particular games and particular series, but you don't necessarily, uh, you know, know the moment, the moment, the beats that led to that point. You know, we all know that. Uh, you know, it's no spoilers here, right? Uh, we all know that Eris dies in Final Fantasy VII. Oh, God, and you did loads spoil it. Come on, there's the remake coming out. You ruined it for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never be forgiven. Uh, but you know, you know, there's a bunch of games writers I know today who are upwards of a decade younger than me. You know, we're talking like, you know, 15 years younger than I am at 36. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, you didn't play that game when it came out. Yeah. You know, but you have to have Final Fantasy VII knowledge. It's kind of like you say, kind of like you It's a cornerstone thing, right? So I never played. Well, I mean, I I've played Metal Gear Solid Two and Metal Gear Solid Three, but not to completion. But you know, it, when it when it comes to editing a piece on those games, you know, I will look it all up. I'll crunch it. I'll check. I'll you know check one source, check two source. You know, always double check these things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I worked for the BBC for nearly four years. You know, you got to be accurate with this stuff. So uh, so yeah, I I I, I definitely don't. Uh, I would never trust my own um, confidence in something anyway without checking it. You know, even if even if someone had written Nico Bellic in a piece, I would spell check it. Even if I looked at it ninety nine times out of a hundred and knew it was absolutely right. You know that one time I have a hundred where there's a kernel of doubt. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I I do it all the time. Like I check I check uh, so many silly names and and dates dates for you know releases game release dates. Uh, there was one not so long ago uh, where someone was writing about Metal Gear Solid, the original Metal Gear Solid, and like all right, you know that I I can vaguely remember playing that game in the very late 1990s but that was a time where i'd just started university i didn't have a lot of time to play it i certainly never played it all the way through but you know i knew that they'd got their date wrong in it mm. just 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 because you read up on this stuff so much uh, and sure enough you know you check it against uh wikipedia and you check it against whatever else you can find really out there you know uh and uh, lo and behold indeed it was 98 not 97 um i've probably got that the wrong way around now haven't i you see i'm <laughs> doubting myself already but Man, i'm pretty just... sure that's what a lot of people, it's you know, Harris uh, thing. It's the, getting a the date wrong on Metal Gear Solid. You're just, a lot of people are going to be angry immediately. Uh, just, just those. The PS1 just those two stuff, so yeah. far. I'm not. You know, we'll see what happens. Quick question: Do you <laughs> think there's also a value in getting in games coverage perspective from people who aren't as like died in the wool playing games since they were two years old? Uh, Carly, I'm probably going to butcher her last name. I think it's Veloci. I've had her on this podcast. 
she does not have this traditional gaming background. She did not play them growing up as much, got into it more recently, and uh, covers for things for like geek.com and stuff like that, and yeah. kind of goes at a lot of different things from almost a... It's it's a fresh pair of eyes compared to like you said someone playing Metal, the newest Metal Gear game uh, and having this deep history with the entire series and I think it's interesting where we so often when we're reviewing Madden or NBA 2K it's always with someone who's played every single goddamn game before and yeah. understands the minutia compared to what about a review from here's someone who wants to get into this never has before has an understanding of the sport but doesn't have the baggage from madden 15 and 16 here's 17 and it's the first time i played a madden game in a while do you think coverage like that going back even like your shenmue thing where you hadn't played that game and suddenly you're playing it and here's my feelings on it do you think there's value in that do you think you always have to be this longtime gamer to cover games in this way i, I think that you know it, there are there are benefits to both perspectives you know if you're coming at something with a with a I mean, imagine playing Bioshock just off the collection now for the first time oh, with the with the nearly ten years that have passed, and and seeing that in the wake of the the games that game inspired, you know, you that's going to be a completely fresh take than someone like me who played it, you know, when that did come out as one of their first kind of then new gen games, and you know, being blown away in different ways entirely. You know, you can look at it more thematically rather than aesthetically. You might look at it more. In terms of its, you know, as a pillar of the FPS genre, rather than a kind of it, uh, a spin-off from what FPS, what you expected FPS is to be. Um, so I, I, I think there's a great deal of merit in coming to uh, any medium, uh, any kind of entertainment media, or any any uh, medium to be uh, critiqued, regardless of, of you know whether or not you have eons of of experience you know I, I you know i'm one of these people that can say you know okay i, I was I, it's not like i ignored video games for for a five-year period or something but i certainly just I, you know i didn't i didn't have the money or the or the time to 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 spend on them but you know i had a zx spectrum you know when i was like five or six <laughs> you know I've, I've been i've been around games pretty much my whole life uh but if someone you know wanted to get into gaming and they had bought you know let's say they'd never bought a console and they bought a ps4 and they were just blown away and they wanted to apply all their other skills learned through other writing or other coverage other filmmaking podcasting whatever two games and they had the critical wherewithal you know the ability to, to to apply themselves to that medium i don't think there's a problem at all you know i think i think it's very strange to measure uh one's uh, ability is the wrong thing but you know one's kind of authority or something as a as a spokesperson in the medium based on how many years they've been pressing buttons you know rather than look about like why they're pressing them and what they're getting out of pressing them you know yeah. uh, so i don't think time's really a factor obviously what you, you funny you know you mentioned madden and sports series i think in that respect it's always good to to be coming from the perspective from from a place where yeah you, you you remember what those games were um how they were before and how they were before that you know fifa is a massive series obviously mm. i can play the new fifa this year and i can remember the first fifa you know i bought that first fifa on the, on the mega drive on the genesis so i've got that path you know if i want to relate it back to that old isometric game where everyone had the same face and how weirdly i would get a a more entertaining game even though this is more like football now yeah you know, that game was more like a game you know more like more like you know football as a video game this is now a football video game trying desperately to be football and it's you know it loses something in the in the in the the um, the, the, the translation of the medium somehow but uh but yeah in, in terms of coming to like the more standalone stuff or or you know the, the blockbuster games and stuff I, I think it i think it's fine i don't think we need to get hung up on how many years someone's been staring at a little screen wherever yeah. that may be no, I, I yeah. totally agree. And there is this certain risk of people thinking certain things are novel that have been done 800 other times in different games or, you know, games beforehand. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, and that's, that's where an editor comes in. You have to play. research it. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah. totally. Absolutely. So I realize I'm talking to you. But, but, um, but yeah, I mean, as an editor, you'll always spot that. Like, I mean, I, again, I go back to my students and they'll say this at the other and it's this wonderful thing that they've not seen or not heard in music before. And I'll say, well, you know, if you go back to 1993, you'll find you know, this yeah. person did it or, or you know, it's, yeah, I mean, having having your breadth of knowledge is not to help. And, and like I said, just checking everything, you know, checking dates, checking, you know, someone uses this is the first time this graphics mode was used or this is the first time that they use this engine or this particular form of processor and they're just like well no just 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 we'll just check that off yeah, just look at you know, check everything I, I, 
Yeah, absolutely. Even the stuff you think is obvious. Really, really the stuff you think is obvious, because that's the stuff that usually trips you up. Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of editors, like you mentioned before, when you were kind of going full-time with Vice, you had these, you know, Matt Lees, Lee Alexander, you had this stable of really amazing people to work with. And, I mean, it, it's, it feels like it just happened yesterday, but it's been a bit, I mean, Waypoint now has, you know, Austin Walker as editor-in-chief. You have Patrick Clark yeah. as your news guy, which is insane. Like, th- that, it was this weird <laughs> Justice League assemble moment. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you're, you're yeah. such a big part of it as well, and you have, like, all this talent. But was there ever any moments early on where you saw Twitter or social media or otherwise saying, like, oh, man, I can't wait. Vice is finally getting into games. Or, oh, here's this <laughs> new thing. And you're sitting here like, guys, I've been here for, like, a year and a half doing this shit and doing it well. Like, was there any kind of weirdness in you being to a certain extent the face of this this gaming effort and then Austin Walker coming in which is of course amazing for you but suddenly he is the editor in chief was there any awkwardness with that transition uh there was no awkwardness in terms of Austin coming in because i was the the one who recommended him uh, oh, wow. for it so uh, yeah so yeah when when uh, the vice us office was was asking me questions about you know we we you know we're going to base it out of new york it's what they do you know who would be good for this uh, you know i sit down for a little while and have a think and i'm like well, Austin's in New York. Austin would be amazing for this. Uh, he was obviously at Giant Bomb at the time, but yeah. So, so no, no worries there. Like him coming in was like that's that's amazing. And I remember talking on the phone to him for like 70, 80 minutes or something before he before he came in, and we I think we just like sparked it off pretty much straight away. And I was really super psyched uh, after knowing him a little bit via email. Just just I I, I got in touch with him back when I was when it was just Vice Gaming asking if he would uh, contribute but that was then he went full time at Giant Bomb so that didn't happen so we we, we kind of touched base uh, prior to that but yeah I mean uh, you know I was I was thrilled that he was coming in and uh, Joel the publisher and I were back and forth going oh we think we, we think he's gonna do it uh, yeah we think he's gonna take it and we're just like yeah that's that's so good and like you say I mean it's almost doing Patrick, well, he is doing Patrick a bit of a disservice to say like he's the news guy. I mean, he's listed there as senior reporter, but he's so much more than that. Yeah. I mean, he's a an amazing voice to have when we're discussing article ideas. He's just an amazing guy to have on the end of an email or on the end of a, a Skype. You know, we, we we chat on Discord and stuff, and mm. and you know, he's he's done so much. He's so well respected. His 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 reach is incredible. Like he knows he knows just. Um, intuitively what's going to resonate with the readership and and that's something you can't you know you, you can't train someone to kind of have that he just he, he's just got this kind of weird sixth sense for what's gonna what's gonna hit pay dirt like yeah. his stuff about args and his stuff about this guy who waited until he was i can't remember what, what, what the game was but you know wait until he was like level 999 in, in some old rpg so he could open a secret door and i'm like what what kind of nonsense story is that and then you look at it and go that's an amazing story. That's the thing. Like where he, he has the he, ability to take he, what sounds like it might be innocuous if anyone else did it, and suddenly you're like, yeah. I'm 100% into this speed running of Bat and Kytos, which is not yeah. like I've never thought <laughs> about that game. It's in like 10 years. Like it's really something else. Yeah, he he knows his, he he knows what he's doing. He's 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 too good for us. He's he's <laughs> he's too good for games. Uh, he, he no, he's awesome. And like and Danielle Randy who's come in as well and as managing editor from uh, Polygon and uh, Zam as well. So yeah, I mean when when I started doing the vice gaming stuff, I had a bit of a dream team then and it's and that that's that's become the case with the full-time situation. But regarding like I mean when I'd see anyone you know talk on Twitter or about anything going like yeah, wow, amazing vice is doing a vertical that's thrilling to me to see that kind of level of enthusiasm and just excitement. And even if they don't know we were doing it before, then I'm just happy that they take what we're doing as serious. And they, they thought like, this isn't vice going to be, it's not going to be like vice gaming do's and don'ts or something, you know, uh, it's going to be a lot more serious than that. Um, my only hang up, which I will say is some of the, some of the games media, some of the games business uh, press uh, I thought might've been, uh, a little bit more accurate in their reporting, yeah. Uh, there was one site who I won't mention who was like, yeah, they didn't, they didn't uh, choose to. Uh, they they said that the only previous gaming coverage on Vice was on Motherboard, and Motherboard does cover games and it covers games really well. Uh, but you know, after two years of, well, more than two, I think it was two years at that point of me, you know, regularly commissioning and writing <laughs> game stuff for Vice. I was like, oh, that's a bit of a slight, guys. It's a little bit disappointing. <laughs> no, I do, I, I do feel a bit disappointed. That. That. That but, uh, strange. Yeah. yeah, you're seeing that coverage. You're like, but, um, right here. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, on my little island over here, waving away. But no, no. I mean, I, I, I tell you what, the the kind of the reception to the announcement was amazing when we launched it for the 72 hour live stream. Just the 
watching reading like 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 reading these live comments that were coming through on Twitch. Because you launch something in gaming, like anything in gaming carries that risk, I suppose, of attracting a certain, you know, a, 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 a negative crowd. People want to be down on you. Like we're vice people. People are down in vice because it's vice. You know, some people want to be down on us because of who we are and opinions we might have. Uh, but it was so positive. It was so joyous. There was this wonderful collective just just celebration happening between total strangers in totally different parts of the world connected through this you know this <laughs> this this streaming platform yeah. and it, it just felt i just I, I was i was just so motivated and i i, I came i had to leave the the launch stream early because of lectures um but i came away so thrilled and so excited uh more so you know that all oh, right okay we just launched it but like it was that moment where i just thought yes Yes, yeah. this is going to work. This is going to be amazing. And since then, we've we've just I, I think I don't know whether we've been lucky or what, but but people just really like what we're doing, and and that's amazing. I just, I hope it continues. Yeah, you know, it only only, ta- only takes one article that that turns the tide, but uh, hopefully we won't um we won't come to that. Yeah, I mean, but you have this this group that people generally and just kind of consistently enjoy. Like a lot of people like Patrick, a lot of people like Austin. Like when mm. you had these people come on, there were already these faces who. Uh, and Giant Bomb's done great throughout where they introduce you to people who you get this connection to from all these videos from seeing their faces all the time. So right away, you kind of had that tone going with you. You have the great content happening and you're doing great with freelance work. And that's this is one of those moments where I'm like, man, I wish I was still freelancing because I, I <laughs> you, know, you look at that site and it's a lot of people who I've had on this podcast who I really, really like. Uh, Nick Capazzoli, uh, Joseph Noop, I saw recently was writing for you guys. Like at this point, what's the split between who you bring in freelance and full-time because you don't have that big of an actual full-time staff, but there's, there's a lot of good content you guys are doing. And of course you're still early and there'll be a lot more moving forward, but what's that kind of like? Is it like 70, 30 with freelance to full-time content? Like, are, are you actively working as an editor with a lot of these different people? What's that structure? Um, I've not really thought about the kind of percentage breakdown, but I, I, it probably is something like 70, 30 for, for bigger pieces anyway, mm-hmm. you know, smaller pieces, blips as we call them, you know, little, little in-house stuff, podcasts and things and just little updates. So obviously we just do all those and we try and all, you know, pull our weight for the larger pieces as well. But the simple fact of the matter is, you know, when you are being pulled into meetings, Austin will tell you this as well, you know, I mean, he, he gets it a lot in America as editor in chief, obviously, but even I get it over here as the only games guy in the London office, you know, you've got to go meet this person, you've got to go meet that person. Um, so your day does get, pulled away from you in terms of writing quite a lot so you do rely on um just, just and i'll tell you what you know awesome freelancers who, who who get the site completely whether they come from vice gaming previously uh or just started with us and new um but i mean i it's exactly the same process in america you know we will receive a pitch uh you then it will go to either like if it comes direct to me i will say to austin and danielle you know what do you think of this i like this one what do you think and they'll be like yeah that's a good one we should go for that or like you know they'll get something they'll throw it up you know we have like um shared chats and stuff you know what do you think of this "Ah, i'm not so much into that or maybe we think about like go back to them and feel it out a little bit more like get a structure you know i'll always go back to a to a pitching uh, freelancer no matter if it's their fifth piece or their 50th you know if i'm a bit unclear about it you know, I'll ask them, you know, just sketch the piece out for me. Give me the kind of the scale, the bones of it in a, in a couple of paragraphs or in bullet points so I can really see what's going on there. And then we, we do really work with them. I, I, I you know, we, we have a, a bunch of different, a bunch of different people writing. I mean, it's not, not, not a massive freelance pool by any stretch of the imagination, but a, but a decent one. And, um, but we work with them all really closely. Uh, you know, I I will edit every piece. Every piece that I run from a freelancer has, you know, that little bit of my touch in it. Whether that's me going back and forth with a writer, yeah. a small layout change, you know, something I see that just just take. Uh, you know, it's very easy to slip lines in that you don't realize it when you're writing it, but they detract. You know, they detract from the overall impact of the piece. Um, but yeah, yeah, we work we work tight with the editor with um our freelancers, and I think they generally appreciate that i mean I, I i know i've written for places before where you send a piece in and you don't hear back um you can chase them up and you still don't hear back and then a piece runs and you know it might be just as you wrote it or there have been changes made and you don't really know why or a lump's been taken out i generally as often as i possibly can as time allows and as you know just the, the, the as workflow allows you know we've got a um obviously keep stuff going up not that we're yeah. bound by news cycles or anything but you know there has to be something there when you when you log on of a day or so we can populate the socials um 
you know, I'll go back to a writer and I'll ask them for clarification or something. Or if I'm going to make a change, you know, I'll I'll be sure to sort of say, you know, just to let you know I'm going to be doing this. Uh, or some of the time, you know, I might have to do quite a few changes. That's happened before where it feels like, you know, you as an editor have not rewritten a piece, but, you know, you've changed substantial chunks of it. You know, we've all been there. And, uh, you know, I'll then go to the writer and say, look, this is this is my edit. You know, I don't feel I've lost you in there. But if you feel differently, let me know. And and so far, no one's come back and said, you know, no, you've done a terrible job. You've completely trashed yeah. my work. It's, I mean, you know, everyone's been like, no, I appreciate that. You know, it should be that conversation. Like I've definitely, like you, I've had times when I was freelancing, uh, I was kind of scattershot all over the place where there were times where things went up as is with almost no edits. And that never made me feel yeah. good. That made me question there had to be something like there had to be something in that like, <laughs> style wise or anything. Or like you said, I would have uh, yeah. a review go up. And suddenly my intro paragraph is entirely different. And I'm like, I, right. I, I'm fine with that. Cause I'm not so, you know, e- egotistic where I'm like, no, it's, I, all my stuff is great. If you touch my shit, you're going to make it worse. Like, no, editors are there for a reason. <laughs> you get better from them and they, and yeah. they, they know better in many cases, but I would just always want to know why. Cause I want to either just understand or maybe take a note of that in the future. Like maybe this is something that I do consistently wrong that needs to be changed. Uh, and yeah, uh, there, there's think, definitely that's, that's the appreciation important. I get from an editor. Yeah, I think that's important to let someone know that it's not necessarily that they're doing anything wrong, but you would prefer it or it would be more site appropriate if it was like this. Yes. Or, you know, I I felt your intro was, you know, 50 words too long. So we, I tightened it up a bit. You know, if you feel anything's lost in there that really needs to be in there, come and tell me and we'll find a way to work work it out. You know, it's all about compromise. And ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm paying someone for their work. I'm paying someone for their time, but, but also their you know, selling me something and I want it to be the best it can be. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't buy something. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't think of any suitable analogy now off the top of my head, but you know, if you're, if you're <laughs> buying, I don't know, you're going to buy the ingredients for a sandwich. You're going to make them into a sandwich. You're not going to eat them all separately sometimes. And sometimes a person's work is like, that's a great paragraph. That's amazing. That's an amazing point there, but they're not gelling yep. quite right. Oh my God, I'm turning freelancers into jelly <laughs> workers or something. But, that um, is the first I've ever heard of that. So you definitely, yeah, don't, don't, don't don't put that in but no oh, it's fine but you know to. you know some, some yeah of course you can uh, but yeah you know sometimes it's all there but it's not necessarily in the right order or it's yeah. you know the, the wrong parts were emphasized and, and i make those mistakes as well you know we anyone in editorial does i mean we are the the, the the harshest critics of our own writing i mean i had a conversation with someone not so long ago where they were like oh i really like you as a writer i'm like that's beautiful but i i think of myself more as an editor than a writer i read my own writing back and i generally hate it all yeah. uh just just because because you know you, you, you get really close to stuff especially if it's a piece that's been you know rattling around your head for two three weeks or something that you've been working on for for months even and you just kind of want to get it out there and you're grateful really when someone else that isn't you of an editorial mindset or an editorial capacity can look at it and suggest useful changes uh you know i had a piece the piece you know a piece that ran a month two months when did call of duty come out oh, uh, start of uh, november wasn't late it? october early november no well yeah so that was a piece that ran and, and that ran after myself and Austin talking through, you know, how it could be different, how it could be improved. And uh, pretty much everything he said as, as to how it could be improved absolutely made it better, 100 percent. So, yeah. um, you know, it needed that other person just to go, I think it should be like this. And for me to go, you know, like you say, you know, park your ego, park your kind of how precious you feel about stuff and go, yeah, you know, you're right. No, <laughs> you're totally right. It's I... better. It's better like that. I need that so often. There's so many, like you said, I'll have something on a Word doc or a Google doc and I'll just be staring at it. And I'm like, what? My first reading, I'm like, this is garbage. And next time I'm like, okay, I feel like there's a direction here. Then I might go to bed, wake up. And I'm like, I, all of these words aren't really leading to anything. I'm making a point that's not really like strong enough or developed enough throughout this. And you need that person to be like, okay, this is what you're trying to say, head in this direction. Or maybe they realize something that you didn't even realize you were trying to say and you could head in that direction. And that there's not, I don't think there's enough of that type of editing uh, as a freelancer in games. I, again, I did this for years and very often uh, I didn't get any edits, but there, it was those sites that I did. And I mean, Kevin Van Ord's always someone I look to who, when I was writing right. reviews for him, I would get stuff back and I'm like, you're absolutely right. And now I feel better for doing this. Like mm-hmm. there's that kind of thing. And it's, it's it, again, it's a conversation. Uh, and that's why And the people I've talked to who freelanced at, at a waypoint at vice beforehand had said like, it, there's, that's a good place to be edited at. Like they have learned stuff. Uh, you you mentioned you have conversations with 
uh, everyone there kind of about, hey, what about this idea yeah. from this freelancer? What do you personally look for? And that's a hard thing to say because I think a lot of editors like to be surprised in pitches like, oh, I wish I would have thought of that, but that's a great idea or things that, you know, you're not you 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 didn't have the idea first but someone else comes to you with something really amazing i mean what are you personally looking to publish on the site because you're not doing a lot of traditional reviews and stuff like that it's a different style of content what do you look for in pitches oh the million dollar question isn't it it's, <laughs> it, it you don't know until it's in front of you some of the time yeah. um originality strong independent voice through the writer someone who's convicted uh or convinced of their own opinions uh and what their position and what they're saying uh something that isn't a piece that we could write internally easily that's always something to consider you know if it's just like you know i want to talk about how you know a really simple parallel or a really like quite quite a quite a shallow kind of analysis of something you know we we generally won't go for for stuff like that or anything that's kind of been out there and been done before it's always worth a google search anyone anyone freelancing should do this already but i know that people don't um do search for what's out there you know your your idea is probably not as original as you think it is not to start with yeah and the wor- absolute worst thing you can do is submit a pitch to a to a to a publication who's written that piece or something very much like it in the in the in the recent past so yeah do do look for things um you're yeah, not, I, I, you really I, I, quickly, you're not as worried yeah. about the traditional press cycle of if you're looking for pitches, it doesn't have to be about the new Call of Duty or Battlefield One or stuff like that. Like we talked well, about, I think is good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's also a value it, it, just is, in around. in revisiting certain things. Like you mentioned, when you you did that Shenmue piece a while back, where these people who can maybe find a beloved older game that they might have a fresh perspective on. Like, do you? value those type of pitches too that are about things that might not grab you know all that seo but might <laughs> still resonate with a certain hardcore audience yeah i think so i mean you know we, we, we will publish some pieces of older games and they can perform really well so we know that similar pieces from similar as you know that kind of stuff from the ps2 era so you, you know stuff you might have got when you were 12 13 i guess if you're what 23 24 reading our site now you know the stuff that you've got good memories of people always click back to that it's like me and you know kids tv from the 80s i'm always going to click on a piece about nightmare or you know uh, the crystal maze or something like that old shows that you remember and you have that uh, affinity for some kind of connection with when you were growing up so so there there is something to be said for that and as long as as long as the ideas that are connected to the games aren't aren't kind of played out or there's some facet of that game like some kind of strange thing that's never really been explored before or you, you you go back through the annals and you find that this interesting developer worked on it that you weren't even aware of before i mean we ran a piece not so long ago on um i've totally forgotten the name of it it's like urban crisis urban something riot response oh, uh, geez, PS2 yeah. game and uh rocksteady made it because rocksteady are famous for batman and i was like what's this game i vaguely remember that and you're like oh shit that's that's the batman guys that's the that's the other game they made uh and you know it was the, the guy was t- the writer the writer of that piece was saying well it's 10 years old and it's it, it's a game obviously it's you know it's a shooter but there's there's criticism in there. There's commentary about you know what how much force is too much force for a police force to use. And I thought, well, that's that's quite quite that's pre- you know, quite relevant yeah. to today's issues, you know. So so that you know that's a kind of example of an older piece and you know and 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 a, a couple of generations old game that that suddenly feels more relevant nowadays. I mean, uh, you know, we just had the Last Guardian come out. So if there was like a fascinating new take on Shadow or Eco, I would have definitely paid that some mind. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, having something that's super new and out now. You know, we're always going to talk about the big games that are out now. You know, I did a Call of Duty piece. We've we've run stuff on The Last Guardian, quite a bit on Final Fantasy 15, quite a bit on Dishonored, Titanfall. You know, there's kind of big games that are turning heads. Quite a lot on Watch Dogs 2. Um, but yeah, not not in a kind of review capacity. I guess I guess we want people to join in and like converse with us, and we're never gonna sit here and say that our verdict on something or our or our take on it is is the take is as the gospel you know i hope that people read the site and 
that feel like interacting with it, engaging with it, and speaking to us on Twitter, which a lot of people do. I mean, we've got a great social media editor who will sometimes talk to you as if our account is a personal account, which is both <laughs> hilarious and sometimes, I was going to say, and sometimes terrifying. It's not terrifying in a scary sense, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's like it's not very... Um, it's not very corporate. I know Vice yeah. isn't very corporate. Anyway, it's not the kind of stuff I would get away with when I was running the BBC uh, albums account, put it that way. Uh, so, so it's it's good. I mean, I, I want it to be personal and approachable, and I think we do that. And um, when it comes to those bigger games, you know, we want to be speaking to people who are playing them and not say that they're wrong. You know, there's nothing. I, I guess there's nothing. It, you know, I see people comment, you know, on on reviews and stuff, saying, "Well, you know, you you've got this all wrong, and your four out of ten is bullshit." And <laughs> of course, you're saying, you know, you're not a real gamer and stuff. I just want to avoid all that. I think some of that just comes from simple, petty. You know, it, it's cool if you if you really love a game that someone's given a four out of ten for. D- d- don't worry about it. It's not worth getting stressed about. You know, it's, that's it's not just enjoy your thing, and you know. If you want to say oh, I feel this other way, then do so without you know calling someone a dipshit or whatever it is. I want all of my words reviews to end with just enjoy your thing because I again I wrote for Gamespot for two years and as you'd guess you get just a pile of comments for something like you know if you give a low score to anything anyone likes I, yeah. I gave the Dragon Ball Xenoverse which I'm a Dragon Ball fan uh, like a six out of ten yeah. which is a fine score for me and I just got like five hundred yeah. comments just. All it's a over cool place. Six out of ten fighting game, right? That's exactly Flying what it is. The world, like, and that's punching things in the face. It's cool. It's just fine. And there is yeah. that. I, I, I do want all my reviews end with like, hey, but if you like this, that's totally chill. This is my thought on it. <laughs> like, this is where I'm at with it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on traditional reviews? Because, I mean, back in the day, I sound like an old person, but like when you when I would pick up a, a Game Informer, a Game Pro, or something, and there weren't a lot of video out there, you'd read a review, you'd see the screenshots, you're going through it, and you're almost imagining what the game looks and plays like in your head instead yeah. of actually seeing it. Now people are streaming the entirety of a game as soon as it comes out, or even before sometimes. So uh, I'm I'm fascinated by games criticism because I think there's a lot of kind of undiscovered land there of people really going in depth into games in a way that isn't just buyer's advice, but uh, what are your thoughts on where reviews are right now and where they're going with the explosion of video and the different ways we're talking about games? I think, I mean, I still read reviews all the time and uh, use them in a complimentary capacity, really. Um, like you say, with video, with people talking about things on podcasts and and so have you, to kind of form a, you know, do I want to spend my money on this or not decision? I, mean, I still buy games and there's this kind of myth that we get everything for free. Mm-hmm. You know, I get, I guess, like, you know, I'm not going to knock it. I get loads of cool shit for free, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's very pleasant. It's a perk of the job, but at the same time, you know, I still go out and buy games, especially games that are a few years old, you know, that you remember having some mixed reviews, but then you'll read something or see something, you know, follow an interesting YouTube clip. And then suddenly you'd be, you'd be fascinated by an older game and, and then you'll go back in and you'll look at the reviews and, they, and maybe they're five out of 10, six out of 10, but they, they, they'll pick up on a point, you know, or some, some aspect that's actually quite fascinating. Uh, just last, uh, not that it matters by the time this comes out, but a, a couple of Mondays ago, I was in Southampton, the South coast of England and the local secondhand game shop said that they had uh, flower, sun and rain in stock, mm. uh, which was uh, on a Suda game, like his second game, I think, um, Suda 51, on, and it was on the DS, and the reviews are atrocious, like genuinely atrocious. Yeah. But, you know, you, you know this, what Suda's like, and you think, well, there's probably something about it. And like a few of the reviews, you know, I'm, I'm on a lunch break, I'm just, so I'm scanning old reviews. You know, I, I think they're wonderful as a kind of, you know, as a, an archived document of a game's quality, way more than videos are, you know. Oh yeah, and in terms of just just getting it all in one place, and you know, Metacritic kind of serves a point for that. Forget the Metascore, but in terms of putting all the reviews in one place and seeing the spread of it, you know, always read the ones that are kind of in the middle, the kind of anywhere between the eights and the sixes, I suppose. Although I do always read the lowest scoring ones as well, just to see what it is that's bumping so much. To. But yeah, totally. And you know, quite often, you know, you can see whether or not they're, you know, they are, in your opinion, missing the point, or whether they've got some genuine concerns. You know, I, I don't believe anyone who. I read something the other day that uh, someone had put Uncharted 4 on their worst games of the year list. And I was like, really? You're picking 10 worst games of the year and you've you you know, you've picked Uncharted 4? I mean, that that's a pretty I, highly I polished, you know, blockbuster kind of game. You know, that's a, that game does a lot of things right. And I, I get why people don't like it, but I don't think you can put that down as a bad game. Many people put Flower, uh, Sun and Rain down as a bad game. But I tweeted out, like, I was like, you know, do I take a chance on this? And several people, including Austin Walker, actually replied saying, yeah, I mean, it's crazy, 
and wrong in so many ways, but it's got just something about it. And of course, I went to the shop and it wasn't in stock at all, uh, which totally bummed me out. I ended up buying Yakuza Dead Souls instead. You know, when oh. you go in somewhere for something and they don't have it, and I thought, oh, fuck it. That's I'm still buy a weird that. game to choose. Thankfully, you still stayed in the right. weird zone. Yeah, I, I think I did. I mean, I, 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 I've kind of put it to myself this, this kind of Christmas period to try and, try and get through Yakuza. I've, I've still got three to finish and four and five to play. So I've added Dead Souls to the list now. So we'll see how we go. Uh, by the time this comes out, I might have cracked three. We shall see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so, and, and, you know, I know perfectly well that that game didn't review terrifically well. Yeah. But, you know, because I know some of the series before and enjoy it, and I know friends, you know, reviews are great as as a pillar of influence beside video, beside what your friends are saying. Um, you know, they, they all kind of come together. And, you know, if, if, if a game's like a, got a 6 out of 10 here, but like this guy I trust is saying, yeah, but it, seriously, it's a really good 6 out of 10. <laughs> then I'm going to go for that, right? <laughs> you know, how many great games? I mean, Sleeping Dogs, right? One of our biggest articles, I guess, of the year has been uh, Patrick's piece on Sleeping Dogs 2, the game that never was, mm. uh, which, which was an amazing piece. And I, I mean, I looked through a lot of the same information he did because you know we, we, all, we all got to look at it and it, God knows how long it took him to pull that piece together. He obviously cherry-picked the stuff, but there's a lot of it, a lot of detail. And um, But I'd, I'd go back to that for Sleeping Dogs and say, I really, really enjoyed that game, but for what it was, was it more than a 6 out of 10? Yeah, 7, eight, seven out of 10. And people, people, people love it, you know, but you can still say, but it does all these same things you know already. It, it doesn't do any of them spectacularly well. Uh, I, th- I, th- I don't know. Look, I think one of the problems with um, games reviews, maybe more so than music, is it's just the way that the review score, the re- the scores skew up. Mm. You know, like you were saying, you know, you might give a game six or seven out of ten, which is saying, you know, that that's considerably seven out of ten. That's considerably better than average. I'm sure you've heard other people saying this, you know, but uh, to people who are big fans of, of of that game or people who are just raised on this diet of nine being you know, not essential, like 10 is essential. Nine is like, oh, that's just very good. Maybe I'll get it in a sale. In my head, nine is like, drop what you're doing, go and play this thing, go and buy this thing. Yeah, 10 is like, stop making games. You know, (laughs) this is it. The the zenith has been reached. Yeah, we've done it. (laughs) We've completed video games. We're done. (laughs) Um, So so yeah, I mean, back to your your question. I mean, we don't do traditional reviews. I don't really think we need to throw our hat into that ring we still talk about games when they come out and like i hope we talk about like we did with final fantasy 15 i hope we, we kind of let, let's share that conversation we can express our opinions without slapping a number on the end i think it's interesting to see how sites like Eurogamer have ditched their numbering system just to a kind of like a you know i think they do a silver award and a gold award you know it's still it's still tiered you know you can tell whether they, they really like it or they love it but it's not you know it's not that number at the end which causes so much <laughs> shit to be flung around when, it, it, when it's really not necessary bizarre comparisons because as you were just mentioning like there are different types of six there are sixes where it's like mm-hmm. this is a pretty basic game it you know it does what it says it does it's fine and then there's like a studio 51 six where like god this has like 800 weird awful problems <laughs> but there's this bizarre strange like surreal yeah. core to it that's worth seeing even if i'm not gonna give this game a nine because of the deficiencies and like that's where yeah. the numbers come into play where you know if i would give this game is six, this game is seven. Someone's like, oh, so the game that's a seven is better. I'm like, no, that's not exactly yeah. what I'm saying. It's really hard to use these numbers, even if I'm also someone who uh, I'm totally fine with numbers most of the time because sometimes I just want to scroll down and see what you gave it. And I'm people use reviews differently. Uh, and for me, a lot of it is I read reviews after I play a game. So I will yeah. play through Metal Gear Solid Five, and then uh, I would go do Grantland and read like, hey, here's what is a... Jason Concepcion have to say about this certain sequence that maybe I didn't see it that way and I have a new appreciation for it or less of an appreciation for certain things so yeah I, I use it along with streams along with videos and it's reviews are weird but I'm still fascinated by them and I'm fascinated to find people who have unique voices in that space so yeah it's mm. it's still it's still a weird thing reviews are still super weird and I don't know if I'm really going to figure out the best way to use them uh, but like you mentioned, you're not doing traditional reviews. It's it's a lot about gaming culture. And I think, speaking of big questions, the big question before was, what do you look for in a pitch? And maybe the bigger question is, what are your personal aspirations for what Waypoint can be? Um, because we're now at this point, like we talked a little bit off air about, you know, there were a lot of these sites going away. And it seemed like, mm-hmm. is this just going to be fucking YouTubers and streamers starting every single video with, hey guys, um, and that's just going to be the future <laughs> of all games coverage. But no, that here comes 
Zam came along and started to get bigger and uh, Glixel and Waypoint and it, it's this focus on the the creators of games or who gamers are and the stories behind them other than just preview, news, review, next game, go, go. Uh, in your mind, why can Waypoint be successful in this online space where it's not just hard to stand out, it's it's hard to maintain relevance and grow over time. Like it, It's tough to do. I mean, what how do you see it moving forward? Where to, where to pick that up? I mean, when, when <laughs> I came for you know, full-time advice, full-time, it was never in my mind to just kind of be like a, a section. You know, you look at what The Guardian does in, in the UK, and they do a great little game section, but it's always going to be that piece buried, you know, that bit buried away under culture or under tech. You know, I didn't want to do that. And I know plenty of people who are happy in that role, and, 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 and they have a great time. But I, I always kind of wanted... Maybe because I've worked at the BBC, maybe because I was, I was editor for Drown and Sound for two years at a time where we were, you know, out punching Pitchfork. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm very used to being kind of at, at, the, at the head of a site or something that's doing well, you know, something that's put, that pushing somewhere. And so I, so I always wanted Vice Gaming to, to ramp up. And to kind of, kind of use that the the Vice brand as a springboard, and you know, because nothing Vice does, you know, Vice has got bigger and bigger and bigger over time, and continues to get bigger. We've we just launched Tonic, a health health vertical. There's more to come. Um, obviously, Viceland has expanded out into all these different countries, and Waypoint really is going to go the same way. You know, it's only going to get bigger. We're going to do a lot more film. Uh, you see, uh, like Danny O'Dwyer doing some cool stuff right oh. now. Uh, with Doom, that looks awesome, and you know we we want to pick up on on what we've done already. Uh, sort of pre Waypoint launch and post, kind of in that crossover period, we did a bunch of short films. Um, I've personally been working, well, not not personally been working on, but you know, uh, in a in a more kind of advertorial sense, you know, we were doing some stuff with uh, some brands. We did some stuff with Street Fighter, and just 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 you know, giving it all that vice spin, making it look cool, uh, making it look distinct. And I want to I want to take those kind of video things so far, that like video precedent, and do much much bigger things uh, in video. You know, I, I, I'm obviously not going to reveal anything, but I, I've been having discussions with 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 well known people in video games and 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 about stuff that I'd like to do, and they're very keen to do to do that with us. Um, in terms of like the the kind of the, the tone of the site, you know, I don't. I, I guess some people could get pissed off if anyone was coming across as a little bit preachy a little bit like this is us versus you obviously we had um that thing that happened a while ago and people kind of felt that games journalists were against them and even if you know that wasn't the case at all but but i mean i get get why people get disillusioned with what they do and obviously they kind of kick back and you know they, they they for for better or worse kind of group you know everyone who likes video games together and I, I i hope that we press forward with this really sincere agenda that you know we're doing this and we're sharing it with you one of the one of the biggest things about waypoint being called waypoint is you know that that's something you you mark on your in-game map and it goes there and it's helping you we, we want to we, you know we want to be a a friendly face of the gaming media i suppose mm-hmm. and invite people in uh to talk to us and, and, and to talk with us on, on anything, you know, and j- jump into Twitch, jump into Twitter. Uh, we, we quite purposely kept comments off the site just because we know what, what kind of they can breed yep. if, if left unattended. We don't have the resources to, to monitor all that, but obviously stuff like Twitter and Facebook is a bit different. Um, but yeah, I mean, just ramping up really. I was only this morning, I was writing down my ideas, or well, not my ideas, my, my wish list for next year. My wish list um, <laughs> for all the things we can do. You know, Austin and I were just talking just last week about um, you know bigger, bigger features. I've, we've got something in at the moment. That I obviously I'm not going to spoil, but it's it's huge and it's awesome. It's an amazing piece of work that we need to engineer into a manageable whole for the for the for the audience. It's it's a it's a wonderful thing. So the, yeah, yeah, I, I hope you're going to see a, a load of really cool bespoke like splat, almost like like cool magazine exclusive cover feature kind of stuff you know stuff that you won't get anywhere else and um it's just stuff to talk about and join in the conversation and like you say not not feel like someone's telling you you're wrong about something but like come and look at this cool shit yeah like i know it's something austin said a lot and you know i, I firmly agree with it you know we, we just want to do 
cool shit yeah. no, <laughs> for I, people and, and hope, hope that they enjoy it. And, and if they're not enjoying it, you know, we're, we're pretty good at listening as well. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to be, I'm never going to be that guy that's just like, I'm here in my, in my, you know, tower of DVD cases, <laughs> all these physical media that you don't care about anymore, kids, you know, and, and just ignoring what people are saying, you know, I, I want to be responsive and, and as any, any level of editor should be really. And, and, and think about what, what people want to read or what's missing. You know, what, what, you know, if, if, if this is just like you said, like if this site is just doing, here is a preview of it. Now here's the news story about this game. Here is the preview hands on with this game. Here is the review. Here is the feature that's kind of tied into the review. And if you're lucky, here's a, you know, four or five minute long Q and a with, you know, the sound designer, whoever they gave us on a junket, you know, that, that kind of stuff's pretty played out and you do see the same stuff repeating. So. I really just want us to continue with these amazing stories. Like we did like Dungeons and Dragons in, you know, correctional facilities. We've done so many cool personal stories. We've got amazing columnists already, you know, Joe Donnelly writing about mental health. Um, I've just started Ed Smith on a new column. Um, obviously the American guys have got their own, uh, people doing awesome, awesome stuff. And I just, I just hope that, yeah, like, like, like the voices are coming through and they're, and they continue to uh, engage with people, and, and and people just 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 like it. Really, I mean, it's it's hard to hard to really pinpoint where I want the site to go without kind of distilling it down to bigger, better. You know, I wanted to when I came in. You know, I, I said I want to smash them. I want to beat them. I want to be bigger than that. And that's not because I don't like those things. But that's because you know I've always wanted to be bigger than that you know doing the bbc album reviews we had to have these these guys reviewing we had to have these these names attached so that people would take it seriously at drone and sound we had to do these events these festival partnerships i wanted that, that name out there um you know with waypoint i want the same thing i want us to be recognized wherever in the world you are you know or you know you can look at an article you can look at a, a, a color scheme you could like i love our color scheme seafoam yeah. it's very it's very cool don't you think <laughs> you know really and people can just look at it and go that's waypoint you know, they they just see something and go. That's Waypoint. You know, I want I want Waypoint to be like a Nike swoosh. You know, <laughs> so so you don't even need words. Yeah, that's the dream right there, I suppose. Yeah, it's the golden arches of magazine of uh, gaming journalism. Yeah, uh, one day it, maybe. It's 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 a great time to have a site like that uh, because I feel like you know games are growing up, games are evolving. We're having games mm-hmm. tackle newer issues, and I, I think you need that writing to match that. You you need to go beyond, again, preview, review cycle. You need to get more into mm. the personal stories, more into talking about things that maybe we were too afraid to talk about with games. Uh, and again, I think Mafia 3 this year was a good example of just something a game saying mm-hmm. something different and being successful at it. So you have to have coverage that matches that tone, that style. Um, yeah. And uh, again, it's it's there's this part of me where I was like, man, I wish like wish this started to happen when I was in freelance. But like, it's it's cool to see now from <laughs> a distance. Uh, it's cool to see what people are willing to talk about. And uh, I and I I haven't enjoyed I haven't enjoyed reading games coverage as much as I have recently. Like it's it's been it's been cool. And uh, Waypoint's part of that. Glixel's a part of that. And uh, a lot of cool freelancers mm-hmm. I know have been a part of that. Uh, Mike, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So. Where can people find you if, let's say, they want to follow you on Twitter or maybe even <laughs> pitch you this rad idea you know, about maybe Shenmue 2? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at MikeDiver. It's my name. I got in there early. Uh, yeah, and if you want to reach out to Waypoint, please do. If you've got great ideas, uh, something you know that, that would totally fit us, um, just, just email gaming at vice.com. And just make sure you write, you know, pitch, colon, whatever the pitch is in the subject line. Because uh, the uh, American uh, podcasters for uh, Waypoint Radio, they use that same email address for their questions for the podcast. And believe you me, they get a lot of questions. Yeah. So do write pitch. Otherwise, it might get swallowed up in the uh, in the question bucket. They're, like like we've already said, they're very popular people in America. <laughs> they uh, they they get they get fan mail, <laughs> and uh, I couldn't be happier. Yeah, yeah, um, great, uh, Mike. Thank you so much for doing this. I really do appreciate it. Uh, I've said on the podcast multiple times, like uh, I've definitely needed to get someone from Waypoint on here. And if I was still freelancing, you would be one of the top two or three people I would pitch to. So I'm really looking forward to 
what you guys do. Tool uh, three, what the hell? I uh, you know, two or three is pretty good. Two or three is pretty good. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say one just because you're on the show. I'll change it next time. I have another editor on here, but yeah, uh, yeah, you edit that. You make sure you edit that. Yeah, number one. But no, no, it's it's, it's, it's been really cool talking with you. Just I, I, I'm well, me too, and I'm and I'm here at the coal face, so you know, it's uh, it's gonna be fascinating to see what other people think as well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. So hopefully you tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.